the cross is where we need to be to go to the foot of the cross and tell you our God is a God worthy of worship and worthy of praise is to think of what he, he did for us and we've, we've celebrated that already today uh, through music and, and through our prayers and our scripture and uh, this is a, a special day you see the, the table set before us and, and we'll, uh, we'll celebrate that in a few minutes but the scripture that we're going to look at today <clears throat> is from Luke chapter 22 beginning with verse 14 it's uh, Jesus answers one of the the recordings of when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper that, that last night that he was here on earth before he, he suffered and died with his disciples and he gave he took something old and gave it a, a, a new meaning an everlasting meaning that impacts you and me today uh, Luke 22 beginning with verse 14 when the hour had come he Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with him then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him uh, of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to the man by whom he's betrayed. Then they began to question among themselves which of them it was who would do this thing. Would you bow with me as we pray? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we're thankful. We're so thankful for who you are and for what you do and how you bless each of us. Uh, God, you've got a plan for our lives, and uh, you had a plan for us before we were born, uh, long before we were born. And, and here in the scripture we've read, before our parents even thought of us, you were doing something that would take away our sins. And God, we thank you for that. And today as we celebrate what you did, we remember. And then as we anticipate what's going to happen in the days ahead, Lord, we surrender to you for you to have complete control of us. Uh, we're yours completely and absolutely as we offer this prayer in the holy name of Christ. Amen. Now what we've, we've read in the scripture is about a, a remembrance or a kind of a marker. He gave them something to remember. You know, we use markers in life to you know, remember people or things or events or, or maybe, maybe lessons we learned. Uh, sometimes we'll actually you know, put a marker down. Other times we'll, we'll make a mental note or we'll have a tradition. You know, in, in the church, obviously, some of our very, very special traditions are Christmas and Easter and those seasons. And, and they have meaning in the current day, but they also point us back to something that happened long ago. When I was uh, surrendered to the call to ministry, and I shared it with one of my friends, uh, my dad's friends, and Effie uh, Habika, and he had made the suggestion to me. He said, now your dad has lived in Dillon pretty much all of his adult life. He said, so take a, take a piece of wood or a metal if you can get an engraver. And he said, engrave the date, you know, April 
1984 is when I had done it. He said, take it and, and engrave that date on it and drive that, that post down out behind your daddy's shop. And he said, for the rest of your life, if you ever start to doubt what God's called you to, go dig that marker up and, and look at it. And he said, that'll serve as a reminder. And he said, as long as your daddy lives, you know, that property is going to be in your family. You can always go back to it, and, and you could, if you needed to, you can pull it up. And he said, even if you don't ever pull it up, you'll always know it's there. Well, now, I didn't do what, what Mr. F.E. had encouraged me to do, but what he was telling me to do, and in my mind I, I did do it, he was saying, put down a marker. That, that this is a, a date that won't change, that you'll always go back to it, that, Lord, I, I know what you did then. Well, the Lord's Supper is, is one of those kind of markers in the life of the church when God drove that down. And when you think about our lives, a lot of times we'll, we'll keep a marker for things. You know, anybody got an old ticket to a football game or a movie or something, you know, somewhere in a scrapbook, and you, you kept it because you want to look at that thing and you want to remember you know, what happened or, or maybe who, who you were with. You may have plaques or plates or, or things at home where something's engraved on it and somebody gave it to you and wrote a message or it might be one you did. Sometimes you'll go in, in churches and the stained glass windows will have an engraving on it or, or, or underneath it. You know, where that, that's a marker. You're remembering why that's there. But what Jesus did at the, the last night when he was, before he suffered, the last night he was healthy and on earth before they took him, and he spent with his disciples as he gave them that kind of marker. And he said, you know, this isn't after tonight. I'm not going to do this again until it's in the kingdom. This was a transformational moment. It was a time in life that changed everything. So I want us to take a minute, to, and, and you may remember all of this, but to, to look back at what it meant to them that night and then to, to think about what it means for us. You know, this, this night goes back to Exodus 12. You know, you remember you know, Moses and the children of Israel. They had been slaves for over 400 years in Egypt. And, and Moses went again and again to, to Pharaoh and was, was asking him to let the people go. Pharaoh wouldn't do it. So nine times to begin with, you know, the Pharaohs, no, no, no. And so there were plagues that came. Then the 10th time, and recorded in Exodus 12, and Exodus 12 and 13, when you get home this evening, if you'll read those chapters, what a powerful, powerful message God gave. But in Exodus chapter 12, he said, you know, all right, I'm going to take the firstborn. For the people of Egypt, there's going to be a price to pay for keeping my children, for disobeying me, and that is the firstborn of, of every living thing, every a man or a woman, every animal, the firstborn is going to be gone and I'm going to take it at midnight. And he was doing that so he would show to the Egyptians there's a difference between you and my people. And, and I am the, the omnipotent God. And he told to the Israelites, but there's a way around this. There's a way that the Passover or the angel will pass over you. There's a way that you can be skipped. Now, it's not just because I like you, which they were his chosen people. We said it's not just because of that. There's something you need to do. And what they had to do on the 10th of the month, 
they had to take a lamb into their household and they had to keep it there for four days and then on the 14th they were to take that that lamb and they were to sacrifice it to God they were to take the the blood and dip a, a hyssop branch in it and they were to touch the the doorposts and the lentils of, of every house every single house and they were to take the lamb and to roast it and the scripture is real clear don't boil it and and don't eat it raw you know roast it and they eat the whole thing and if your family's too small you can't eat the whole lamb don't don't leave any of it over houses can can share it together but you, you couldn't go out of your house you know, that night. You had to make this arrangement. So divide it among two if the families are small. But eat the whole thing. And Pharaoh was, was told, you know, I'm going to take the, uh, the firstborn if you don't let my people go. And Pharaoh said, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to obey the Lord. So nighttime came. The children of Israel uh, did what, what God said. The blood on the door protected the house that was the without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin that's what the new testament scripture says well in the old testament in exodus 12 it, that was the covering that was what allowed god to pass over in a time of mercy there had to be a lamb had to be a lamb so midnight came and from pharaoh scripture says all the way down to the the people in the dungeon for, for all of them. It happened as the Lord said. The Israelites were told to eat the meal with their, their, their loins girded up and their cloaks on and everything ready to go to have their, their things packed to leave. And he told them, you're going to, you know, beforehand, go to your neighbors and ask them for silver and gold. Now think about your your slaves and you're going and asking your masters, give me your silver and gold. Because we're going to be leaving in the morning. So what happened is the Passover angel happened. They gave them, the Egyptians gave them the silver and gold. The Israelites ate that, that meal that night during the night. And they ate the unleavened bread. You're not time for it to rise. And the, the instruction was for a week, for seven days, you're going to eat unleavened bread. So you know, morning came and Pharaoh not only asked him to leave, but he told him to leave and told him to take everything with Just take it. Just go. Just go. Go. And so what happened after that for hundreds and hundreds of years, generation on top of generation on top of generation, they celebrated that night. It was a night of God's provision, a night of God's mercy, a night of God's grace, a night when God shone his favor on them. And they remembered it over and over and over again. And that's where Jesus, that's where we come in. When the hour had come, he sat down with the 12 apostles with him. And he said, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Now, you know, what happened in, in uh, Israel before the Passover was, they took the lambs by the tens of thousands and they led them from Bethlehem and that, that neighborhood where they were raised and they, they marched them into Jerusalem. And then before the, the Passover, the families still, all these hundreds of years later, took those lambs into their homes and they, they were there for several days and then they celebrated the Passover. This is what Jesus is doing with his disciples. He's, he's looking back to what happened 
but is giving it a brand new significance. You know, there are, are things in our lives that have happened a decade ago or a generation or two ago that we look back on and they're, they're mile markers, they're, they're, they're monuments and stones that are set and they've, they've impacted us for years and years and years to come and we don't forget them, we celebrate them. And we celebrate things that our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did. So at the Lord's Supper, we're celebrating what Jesus and his disciples did. We're doing what he said, remembering that night. But not just the historical significance, not just what it meant for Israel thousands of years ago, but what it meant for, or means for us right now. When we read in John chapter 1, that John is standing at the river and Jesus comes up and John said about Jesus, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And then as the story goes on and Scripture recounts, John recognized him. He said, I'm not worthy to unstrap his sandals. And, and then uh, John baptized him and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. And the people said, this truly is the one that would come. Well, in John chapter 1, John says, this is the one we've been waiting on. This is the one who's going to take our place. In Exodus 12, the Old Testament scripture, there was a lamb that carried the penalty for the house. For you and me, and we talked about this last week, when you and I sinned against God, anytime we fall short of the, the glory that, for which God created us, anytime we fail, and we, we like to use nice words, well, I, you know, I kind of messed up. I kind of made a mistake. Uh, I slipped up. Well, any sin that you and I committed against God, that went to our account. And again, as we talked about last week, somebody's got to pay for that. There's going to be a price to pay. You know, it's, it's interesting that, uh, and I shared this last week, my economics professor said there is no free lunch. Well, when it comes to being holy before God, you know, God's not a God that just says, you know, live like you want and do what you want, and it, it really doesn't matter, because it really does matter. You know, He called us to holiness. He created us for perfection. In the very beginning, He created us to, in the image of God, and to walk like Him. And when we fall short of that, we didn't just mess up or slip up or, or make a mistake. We sinned against God. One of the things that, that Christians say a lot that people who, who do not know Christ will, will ridicule us or laugh at us about is say, well, no, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. Well, that, that's true. That really is true, but it doesn't minimize the calling that God's given to us. We need to live lives that imitate Jesus Christ. That's what he called us to do. And when we fail, there's a price to pay. And we can look at that Exodus 12 chapter and, and that story and think, well, oh goodness, how cruel all of the, the people in, in, Israel, in uh, Egypt, all of them, the, the firstborn of all were died. Well, Jesus had asked them, or God had asked them, Obey me, let my people go. And Pharaoh basically said, No, I'm the king. I'll do what I want. And God said, No, no, it's not like that. I'm the king. And you don't really rule your people. Really, 
God's saying, I, I do. I'm the ruler. And so for you and me today, no, we don't live however we want and, and do whatever we choose. We want to surrender to the infinite king of the universe who said to us, when you sin against me, you didn't just mess up a little bit and you're better than the person on the road and it's okay. No, no, you failed. But, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Charles Swindoll wrote a, a book called The Tale of the Tardy Oxcart, and in it he tells a story. Uh, this happened in, in India, that there was a, a girl, a, a young girl named Monica that fell into a well, broke her leg, and then a, an older lady in the community, Mama Najeri, crawled down in the well to save the girl. The girl was like eight or ten years old. So Mama Najeri goes down. Well, in the time in the well, there was a black mamba snake, you know, the most deadly in India. It bit both Mama Najeri and Monica, bit them both. Monica got better, and, and she was okay. Mama Najeri ended up dying. Well, one of the, the doctors in the area said it, it happened that way because of this. When Mama Najeri crawled down in the well, the black mamba bit her first. And then, you know, a little bit later, it built, uh, bit Monica. And the doctor had said, well, what happened is Mama Najeri took the poison from the snake. So when the snake bit Monica, the poison was gone. And therefore, other than a little bit of sickness and discomfort, Monica was okay. What Jesus Christ did is he took the penalty for us. He took the sting of death. Because black mom, you know, if it bites you, if you don't get treated pretty much immediately, you're, you're going to die. Well, Mama and Jerry took it for Monica. Well, Jesus took an eternal penalty for you and me. When you and I sinned, again, we didn't just mess up a little bit. We didn't just, just make a mistake. We sinned against an infinitely holy God who said the wages of sin is death. Well, Jesus Christ, what he's telling his disciples this night is... I'm going to celebrate this Passover meal, and what it is is it's symbolic of the fact that God's going to pass over your sin because of me. Because of what I'm about to do, you're going to be able to stand before an infinitely holy God forgiven. Because I'm taking the penalty on myself. This is my body. This is my blood which is broken for you. Which is shed for you. You know, I'm knowingly stepping into the gap for you. And I'm going to take the punishment. The punishment's coming. It's just coming to me instead of you. What an incredible, incredible passage. Uh, we, we read... These verses last week, but I want to read them again from Romans chapter 5. A powerful, powerful uh, recording of what Jesus Christ did. When we were still without strength, 
in due time. Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man one will die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And Ephesians 2 says we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We were dead. You know, Monica, when she fell in that well in India with the black mamba down there, she didn't know it yet, but the truth is she was dead unless something happened to stop that. And when the, the, the mama and the Jerry crawled down, she ended up basically taking Monica's place. Well, what Jesus Christ did and what he records in, in Luke 22 is, you and I were dead. We, we were going to pay that penalty. But while we were still enemies of God, he did it for us. You know, I, I think about an encounter I had when I was a teenager. We were at the beach down at uh, Cherry Grove or North Myrtle Beach and we're, we're swimming. I was out there with my, my, my girlfriend and my family and there, was, there were two kids hanging on the side of a rubber raft. A little, it was, you know, three or four feet long. Actually, one of them, a little girl was in it and a little boy was hanging onto the side, onto the rope. And they were going out further and, and I didn't... I wasn't paying much attention. I just saw another teenage girl that was holding on to the front rope of the boat, and the, it was just taking her further and further and further out. And I was just like, well, I'll go grab the thing and help them. We'll pull her in. Well, it didn't quite exactly work like that. You know, I mean, I again, I should have known, but I wasn't thinking there was a riptide you know, out there. So this little boat with the kids in it and on it was caught in the riptide. And this girl was trying to save them, probably a 12, 14-year-old girl. So I grabbed the cord, and, and we're, we're just getting drugged further and further out, and the waves are you know, rolling in, and everyone's taking us a few feet further. And like this scripture in Romans, it says, for a righteous man, you know, somebody may give their life. Well, as we got further, and, and I was taller than the girl, so she really couldn't touch ground hardly after a minute. And we got to a certain point, and I looked at her, and I said, listen, we're, this thing's about to take us all out. Um, one more wave, and we're either going to have to go with them or let go. And at that moment, I didn't know which of those two you know, I was going to do. I didn't necessarily want to die you know, with them. Well, as God would have it, the next wave, and they weren't breaking, they were just rolling. The next wave moved us probably 10 feet in, and I could put my feet on the ground in the, in the trough and in the crest, and so we were pretty much, you know, that quickly we were out of the woods, and we just walked on into shore. Well, I think of Romans 5 and think, you know, I, I don't know that I was willing to go out on that boat with those kids. I didn't know them. You know, it would have been quite easy to let go. 
but what Jesus Christ did for you and me, not when we were casual observers just passing through life, not when we were, we were friends of God and we were honestly seeking, while we were yet sinners, while we were enemies of, enemies of God, Jesus said, I'm going to lay down my life for you. And the way he recorded it in the verses we read, it's not just us and it's not just the whole world. He says to them, I've desired to eat this Passover with you. you know, he's looking at his disciples with you. For I say to you, I'll no longer eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom. And then in, in verse 17, he says, Take this, divide it among yourselves, for I say to you. So he's getting very, very personal to these people gathered around. He's talking to them. And through them, he's talking to us. And in verse 19, he says, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. You know, when I read that scripture and, and the scripture we read in Romans 5, you know, it's one thing, it's, it's, it's nice and moving enough for me to think, you know, Jesus loves us, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And it's one thing to think, well, you know, this supper that we're about to celebrate, the communion we're about to have, Yes, for all of us. It takes it to another level, though, when I think, okay, Paul. That was for you. And that Jesus was saying to me through this meal we're about to have, Paul, this is my body broken for you. Paul, this is my blood that was shed for you. This wasn't just the person down the road that's worse than me and I can push it off on them. Oh, that was all their fault. <laughs> no. It was my sin. And it was your sin. And he knowingly took that burden so that we wouldn't have to. He paid a price that he didn't owe because we owed a price we never could pay. You know, we've heard people say that through the years over and over and over again. And it just, it rings so incredibly true. You know, I've never had uh, anybody with, the, like for my home mortgage or a car or some big, big, big debt, you know, that I owed. I hadn't ever gone to the bank and they said, oh, somebody paid that for you. You don't owe any more on your house. You know, you don't owe any more on your car. I've had it for a meal before, and in that small, it's still overwhelming and moving that somebody would care enough to pay for a meal. Jesus Christ paid a price that you and I would be paying for all eternity. Not a 30-year mortgage. There wouldn't be an end to it. Because when we sin against God, that, that's a permanent thing. And Jesus Christ took that for us willingly. He didn't get trapped or tricked into it. He willingly did it. 
So what we're going to do in, in just a minute, we're going to take the Lord's Supper and we're going to remember and we're going to celebrate what Jesus Christ did and that he did all of it for you and for me, that he paid the price for us. What an overwhelmingly moving thing for us to remember. That the infinite creator of the universe who spoke a word and everything came into being, the one perfect one, loved you and me enough that he said, I'll take their sin. I'll go into that deep well and I'll pay with my life so that they don't pay with theirs. So the Lord's Supper is a, a time of, of celebration. It's a time of reflection. You know, when you open your mailbox and you get all of that junk mail, you know, that somebody, some computer somewhere you know, generated it and they sent it to everybody in the mailing address or whatever the parameters are they set, you know, it goes to everybody, everybody. A lot of times we don't put much stock in that. But when we get a handwritten letter from somebody and you can look at it and tell and it's not just a computer generated to look like you know, handwriting but that's, that's ink you know, on that page. Those are the ones we grab and open the quickest. You know, we're going to see what that friend of ours who obviously knows us and took time to do it wrote us of what Jesus did at that last supper is he wrote with his own life's blood and he said, I earnestly desire to do this with you. This is my body which is broken for you. Not mass produced for you and for me. This is my blood which is shed for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. The Israelites celebrate the Passover that's the time of death. We celebrate a time of life here. When we pass from death into life because of what Jesus Christ did. Will you bow with me please as we pray? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, so incredibly thankful for what you do and how you, you bless us and, and you've poured the abundance of heaven out on us and you've given us everything our hearts desire because you love us. Well, God, as we celebrate as a church family, we want to thank you for what you did and thank you for the price that you paid for us. And it was our sin that you carried to the cross. Thank you for loving us that much. It was because of us. And God, you didn't hold it against us for the rest of our lives and you're going to retaliate against us, but you, you loved us so much you did it so that we could spend not only our earthly life, but we could spend forever with you. Thank you that you opened the gate and told us to come on in. Oh God, thank you. As we celebrate now, as we enter this time of reflection and remembrance, God, we do it with thankful hearts, grateful hearts for what you did. So we surrender to you now in the holy name of Jesus Christ.
Amen. I want to read as we go into the Lord's Supper from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. This is when Paul recounts that night, and he said, For that I received from the Lord, I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then in the next verses, he challenges us, Paul does, to examine ourselves and what the sin is in our lives and, and to have this as a time of reflection and a time of remembrance. Because no, we're, we're not perfect. There's not a one of us here who has, who has not sinned against God. We have all sinned against him, all of us. And this is a time for us to reflect and to say to the Lord, Lord, thank you that you took my anger, my hostility, my lack of surrender. You took my gossip. You took my animosity. You took my wayward words and my wayward thoughts and you washed them all away. You know, we, we think of the big sins, but he took all of that to the cross so that you and I could have lives that were forgiven. Just as white as snow, as white as the cover that's over this table. He washes us. So what we're going to, in just a second, the deacons are going to come and, and we're going to distribute the elements of the Lord's Supper. And, and as we distribute them, first the bread and then the juice, uh, we'll have this as a time of reflection, a time of, of repentance, asking for God's forgiveness, not to get beaten up, but to experience His forgiveness. And then we're going to celebrate going out that Jesus Christ did for us we, what we could never, ever, ever uh, do for ourselves.